You are listening to the Balancing Act podcast with Danny Euro. I'm a licensed mental health counselor based out of Miami, Florida. I use the ideas and principles of acceptance and commitment therapy to help individuals who find themselves struggling in various areas of their lives. Episode 7, I Am Blank. Hey there, this is the Balancing Act podcast, and I am Danny. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this is your first time finding us, well, welcome. If you've been listening, welcome back. Hope you enjoy uh, your time with us. Hope you share this podcast with others. Please, please, please share the love. I want to thank everyone that continues to reach out to us with feedback and questions uh, through our email address, thebalancingactpodcast at gmail.com. It's greatly appreciated. I'm really enjoying, uh, we're getting pictures of, of listeners on their purpose-driven drives. That's a mouthful, purpose-driven drives. Uh, continue to send those. Those are great. Just be safe. Don't put yourself at risk or put someone else at risk just to take a, a photo. Uh, but if you can do it safely, please do so. Please send it in. I've been posting those on, on our Instagram uh, account, which is pretty cool, which is uh, The Balancing Act uh, Miami uh, on Instagram. Uh, we have uh, some episodes in the very near future that will be movie reviews of classic films. Well, they're not actually like regular movie reviews they're more like uh, movie review reviews that will explore acceptance and commitment therapy concepts uh, in particular films that we all know and love uh, probably Star Wars things like that but I, I'm really uh, kind of open to suggestions uh, I'm sure you've noticed the amount of pop culture I tend to reference uh, on the podcast it's it's just the way my mind works so why not let my mind navigate through pop culture as we continue to explore these acceptance and commitment therapy concepts uh, I hope to have some co-hosts uh, alongside me to talk about some of these films uh, here and there to, to help with the reviews. Uh, it's going to be called the Act in Films episodes. There will also be episodes coming up that are not going to be film-related, where I'll be having conversations with different individuals that are, are in different professions, and we will explore psychological flexibility in their career paths. So I'm looking forward to that as well, hope, hoping uh, you guys are also. Uh, if you have any special requests for the films, that you'd like for us to try to review on an episode, uh, please send it our way. Uh, just uh, either email us at thebalancingactpodcast at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram. A quick recap about where we've been. So all the way in the beginning, we had uh, episode one, which was about psychological flexibility, which was just me explaining uh, what we're all trying to get to, right? And, uh, and really the goal being psychological flexibility because why? If you score higher on psychological flexibility, you tend to score higher on quality of life measures. Episode two, cognitive diffusion, which is just the basic concept of detaching yourself from thoughts um, that may limit your behavior responses and make you what? Inflexible. That's right. Inflexible. Uh, episode three was about acceptance, using acceptance strategies to cultivate flexibility since uh, experiential avoidance limits your behavior response. So if you're trying to avoid particular feelings or um emotions you're going to limit your ability to do things which will make you inflexible episode four was about values knowing which way you want to go in your life uh, which will lead to purposeful quality living it is the the difference between thriving versus surviving episode five was uh, about committed action which is doing the actions that honor your values uh, once you know the direction you're going in how do you go in that direction? What are actually the incremental steps that lead you in that direction so that when obstacles come up, you know how to continue to be flexible in the service of your values? Episode six was contact with the present moment, 
which is basically just being totally tuned in to the right now, which is your best chance at being uh, flexible and having access to all of your behaviors rather than, rather than being disassociated and being elsewhere and not being totally tuned in. And now where we will be today um, is we finally arrived to the sixth and final process of the act of the act hexaflex model. That's a mouthful. I apologize, which is called self as context. Uh, this episode, I, I named it. I am blank. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm blank. I'm hoping that you can visualize a blank, like fill in the blank. That's the kind of blank I'm talking about. I am period. So it, it doesn't translate so well. So I am blank works better. In order to be psychologically flexible, can you detach from a preconceived notion of who you are? Uh, that's, I know it's a bit trippy to, to wrap your mind around, but can you just be I am instead of completing the sentence and filling in the blank? Can you just be I am instead of I am this kind of person or I am that kind of person? Uh, to be attached to a theory of who we are, it, uh, it has a tendency to dictate the way we're going to react in particular situations uh, rather than responding to situations as they arise. Uh, to react is, uh, um, is this explosion from our primal brain that wants us to survive. It's an instant need for gratification in, in, a, in a pursuit of safety. Right? Uh, to respond is to be flexible. So um, contrary to, to react, to respond is to be flexible with, with, that, uh, with what the current situation is presenting. It is, it is to have access to all the possible behaviors at, that are in your repertoire because you are not attached to a mentality. You, you're not attached to this concept of the way you're supposed to do it um, that dictates your behavior. That's making you inflexible. Well, we have a bad habit of being so overly attached to the way we're supposed to, the, supposed to be that we basically have just written the script of how we're going to react every time a particular situation comes up. And that's inflexible. Questions. How predictable are you in the way you react to things? Is it difficult for you to switch gears when you go home from work and you still interact with loved ones as if you're in the office? Like on these FBI shows, do you have a profile about yourself? Have you profiled your do's and don'ts? Have you profiled your pet peeves and weaknesses? Does this profile influence the way you handle new situations? Does your personal theory of who you are limit your flexibility? Case presentations and pet peeves. So at the end of my graduate school um, experience, after I um, t- to graduate from grad school, I did graduate from grad school. I, I, re- I realized how ambiguous that sounded. One of the things that we all had to do in the program was um, come up with a case conceptualization, um, which was a like a kind of a portfolio of all the work we did with a particular uh, client in our internship, and present it to our to our peers and to a council of sorts. Um, to explain, you know, to, to display or to or to uh, present all the literature we we researched and that would justify the treatment rationale we used, and to explain the conceptualization as to why we believe that this particular individual, um, in my case, was uh, using a particular substance, and to explain that rationale through the conceptualization and as to why we used a particular intervention, right? And after you presented it, you would get questions asked from the from from that committee 
um, testing your competency as you were applying it in real world uh, dynamics. And it was basically called a case conceptualization. Um, and really, you end up being the expert on this particular individual, in, at least in the room. Uh, and as questions get posed to you from the from the from the committee about why do this or why do that, um, the way the thing would work is if you would get a question about um, why did you use this this intervention, and um, since you had such a grasp on the con- on the conceptualized idea of this individual, it was easy to apply that sensibility and like, well, well, I did this because this person does this substance because of these reasons. And basically, because of the conceptualization, the individual's behaviors were dictated by how attached they were to the conceptualization. Now, obviously, the individual, he doesn't have a conceptualization in the same, you know, meaning as I, the grad student, have a conceptualization of his, you know, patterns of behavior. Uh, But he is... He has a pattern of, well, to use terms of act, he has a pattern, a consistent pattern of inflexibilities which fall into a constellation of what a conceptualization is. And because of that, he's inflexible. In particular settings, he'd be more likely to use a substance. In particular settings, he'd be more likely to use defense mechanisms. In in particular situations, he is um, less likely to have access to all of his behaviors because he's overly attached to a particular pattern of behavior and in grad school, we call that a conceptualization. Now, how does this apply to this idea of self as context? This sixth process of the hexaflex model and acceptance and commitment therapy is because um, the inflexible component, right? The the inflexible part, the opposite, the the Darth Vader to the Luke Skywalker of the self as context is over over um, attachment to the conceptualized self, right? So um, to be inflexible is to have an idea of who you are, how you do things, the way things are to be done. And because of that, it dictates the way you're going to react when when circumstances or stimuli come up. That's the inflexible side of it. The self as context, the I am part, is I am going to just be I am right now. I am not going to be attached to a particular ideology of a conceptualized self of the way I'm supposed to do things. If something comes up, I am going to respond to the particular situation and stimuli, and I'm going to have access to all of my behaviors. I am not going to have a script written, which is going to put me on cruise control and basically me repeating a cycle over and over again because I'm adhering to a particular um, conceptualization. Now, pet peeves, um, I may talk a lot about psychological flexibility, but in many ways, I am very inflexible. So just as this show is a work in progress, I am a work in progress. Uh, for those who know me, they know that very well. I'm very I'm very stuck in my ways, so it, it, I'm, it's been a process, to say the least. Um, one of my pet peeves uh, is uh, when my schedule gets changed on me last minute. And it actually happened to me earlier today in the office where uh, I had a couple I had a few things scheduled for the day. I kind of knew what to expect uh, from my day. And right when I walked into the office, um, I was told I had a, a, an additional appointment that I was not expecting, and it threw me off. It threw me off because um, I wasn't expecting it. I kind of had in my head I knew the day I was going to have, and uh, life imposed its physics and threw me a curveball, and my inflexibility came up. Why? Because I have a pet peeve uh, for 
curveballs. I don't like curveballs being thrown at me. I, I want fastballs thrown. And I have this self-conceptualization that if I get thrown a curveball, I am going to get frustrated. And I literally reacted in that matter. So I, I walked in. I was told I had an additional appointment that I wasn't expecting. That is a pet peeve of mine. And then I reacted in a way that is very, uh, uh, very predictable, very inflexible, which is I got frustrated. And then after a little while, I became more self-aware over the situation and kicked myself for it because I still fall into some of these traps because in some ways I'm still very much attached to a self-conceptualization that makes me inflexible. Self as context. Like a wise man once said, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. Popeye. On a more serious note, it's what God told Moses. I am that I am, right? So I guess Popeye might have been converting people in his cartoons, maybe. I am. Uh, what what does that mean, the I am that we keep referring to in this idea of self as context? Um, our habit is to finish the statement and and not and to not just leave it as I am. It's like we see automatically a blank after it. I am blank. Like I am tired, I am lonely, I am unable, I am unlucky, I am overwhelmed. What if we just focused on the I am part instead of the blank part? Um, would we be more uh, likely to act as a tired person would be, or would we be less likely to act as a tired person or maybe as a lonely person or as an unable person or as an unlucky person or as an overwhelmed person? Um, what happens if we're so attached to the blank, the thing that we fill in after the I am? Where is the I am part of us? Um, what does that have to do with being psychologically flexible? Um, because... As you'll see, and I'm sure you've noticed over the episodes, uh, these, proce- these processes in the, in the ACT model, in the, in the Hexaflex model, um, they're not mutually exclusive. They, they, they kind of, they're, you know, they, they interact with each other and they overlap from time to time, right? So um, when we think about the I am part of us, not the blank, but the I am part of us, um, it's really the left, the, the core um, that's there that has not been, you know, attached or fused to the blank that we fill in with the blank, right? Because, um, you know, we are not our feelings. Uh, we have feelings. We have them. Um, me being angry does not make me look like a red cube looking character with fiery red hair um, from that Pixar movie Inside Out, right? Thoughts. We have thoughts. We have them. Uh, me thinking that I'm ugly doesn't turn me into the sloth character from Goonies. Rocky Road? Mm-hmm. Or memories. Uh, we have them. Remembering our past failures doesn't turn me into the failure that occurred. Or roles. Uh, we perform our roles. Uh, me being a therapist doesn't replace who I am. It's just what I do for a living. My body. Uh, I have one, but... You have one, but sorry to tell you, but your body is different than it was since you started listening to this episode. And don't you dare blame the podcast, right? So we have feelings, we have thoughts, we have memories, we, we, we have roles, we, we have a body 
but they're not who we are. They're just the blank. It's the, it's the, it's the thing that completes that sentence. I am blank, but they're all temporary things. We have them. We are not them. The, the I am part is free from the blank. Back in, uh, in the second episode, we, uh, we spoke about the thinking self versus the, the observing self, right? So, um, you know, this observing self, uh, it does not have judgment. It does not internalize what it is observing and create a judgment or an expectation. It's just observing. When we go into a meditative state, when we're in meditation or we're in mindfulness uh, practice, we are just observing our breath or observing a particular stimuli and just noticing it um, versus the thinking self, which is the part of us that has been evolving since the first moment in, in internalizing stimuli, events, and circumstances, trying to come up with a pattern to the story, trying to conceptualize the patterns of, of the way life goes. And because of that, we end up with these two selves, the observing self and the thinking self. The thinking self is basically the grad student who has conceptualized the way um, he believes the world works. And in doing so, what he has really done is conceptualized himself and has made himself inflexible. The observing self is the one that is just the I am. He is the one that is free from the conceptualization. So when life happens, when circumstances occur, when stimuli present themselves in a particular manner, he is free to respond and not react. So the the observing self is this free, um, free of these preconceived notions, right? So it's, it's the, it's the anti-conceptualization. It's basically, I have access to all my behaviors, regardless of what circumstances are going to arise. While that thinking self side of us has judgments and preconceived notions and these conceptualizations of the way we're supposed to react to particular situations. So when things come up, we are more likely to become inflexible because we resort to these like strategies and, uh, and they tend to be survival strategies or they tend to be these inflexible strategies. So that's kind of the, the, the distinction there. Well, it's not kind of, it is the distinction there, right? Another quote from another wise man. Slump? I ain't in no slump. I just ain't hitting. By Yogi Berra. Uh, I love this quote. Uh, it's, um, you know, for those, um, if there's anyone out there that doesn't know what a slump is, first of all, Yogi Berra uh, is a uh, famous baseball player, played for the Yankees, known for his quotes. He's got this, like, these great, like, nonsensical circular logic quotes that are just amazing. Um, but a slump is basically if you've gone through a bunch of games without hitting the, uh, the, hitting the ball or not getting on base, not hitting a base hit. Um, they call that a slump, and baseball players are notorious for being very superstitious uh, individuals, right? So, um, this quote, I love it because uh, he's using a few of the concepts from the from the Hexaflex model, believe it or not, right? Who who would have thought Yogi Berra was an act therapist? Um, what he's doing is he's diffusing from the language of what the word slump means, right? So, by saying slump, I ain't in no slump diffusing from that language of slump, which basically conceptualizes why Yogi wasn't hitting. So instead of just saying that he's not hitting, they've labeled the the series of him not hitting as a slump. So they've conceptualized. They've The, the reporter who asked him this question was trying to attach him to this conceptualization that the reason why you're not hitting is because you're a slump. You're in a slump. 
And uh, so his, uh, by, um, with his reply, Yogi provided an observation of what was actually happening rather than, um, than agreeing with the conceptualization, thus being attached to it and it di- possibly dictating how much longer he'd be in the slump. He just basically said, no, it could just be that I'm not hitting. So he went into his observing self. So the, the slump portion of, that, of the question by the, by the reporter was a fused language, which was the thinking self, when uh, I just ain't hitting is, is just the observing self that's detaching himself from that conceptualization, which makes it a more flexible approach when life imposes its physics, right? I guess uh, curveball, baseball metaphors throughout um, this episode, I see, right? Um, this is uh, um, this other uh, way to visualize this is um, this is derivative of of a man that I've mentioned a few times over the episodes. He's absolutely brilliant. I really highly recommend you uh, um, checking out his work. His name is DJ Moran. Uh, just uh, just uh, really really good. He's an incredible teacher. Really good at, at explaining these concepts and uh, of acceptance and commitment therapy. And so I have a derivative of some of the stuff he's done regarding self as context as it relates to the athletes I work with. Uh, I'm, uh, I work with a lot of different athletes, a lot of different collegiate athletes. And, uh, and I, I use this example of um, the – it could be used for the basketball court. It really could use, it could be used for any of the sports really, but it, it works out nicely with basketball and, and football. You know, I, used, I tend to use the, the football one a lot, which is – trying to illustrate the idea that if you've got these two teams playing on the football field, right? Um, you know, I'm, I'm recording this from Miami, Florida. So sadly, I guess I'll use Miami dolphins as an example, because as Hootie and the bluefish said, the dolphins do make me cry. Um, so the Miami dolphins are playing the New York jets. So you have these two teams that are playing each other on this field. Now the football field, for those that don't know the dimensions, it's what, it's about a hundred, it's a hundred feet, oh, it's a hundred yards long. I believe the end zones are t- each 10, 10 yards long believe the field is 45 yards wide i apologize for not doing my research i should be embarrassed if i don't know that it might be 50 yards wide now that i think about it but regardless the field has its dimensions right and you have the two teams that are playing each other jets and dolphins and if a good way to visualize this is imagine all the different players on both teams represent different thoughts feelings uh, memories, uh, sensations, all these different things that come up and go away in our everyday life, like pain, worry, happiness, joy, um, you know, husband, father, all these different elements, all these um, um, things that come up to our awareness, all these different things that complete the sentence, I am blank, right? And they battle each other constantly. Our emotions battle each other. Our emotions are battling our sensations. They're battling our bodily sensations. Um, they get in the way of our roles. Sometimes they're inspiring our roles. So you have this warfare between two teams, and each player on this field is representing these different aspects of of our of our emotionality. All these temporary things that that come up. These these uh, identity components in our ego that complete the sentence, the sentence of I am blank. And they're going back and forth. And then the game is over. And unfortunately for you Dolphin fans out there, more, more times than not, ends up in a loss. And as the players walk off the field, there's something that stays the same. It's the field, right? It might be a little bit, you know, in the example, if it's like not, if it's natural grass, it might be a little bit divoted up from the cleats and stuff, but the dimensions are the same. They haven't changed. Like the, the yard, the yards are still the same yards. The, the, the length and width of the field is the same. 
the field goal post is still the same distance off the ground. The dimensions have not changed, regardless of all the battling that went back and forth between the thoughts, feelings, emotions between the players. So I use this example a lot with the athletes I work with, that regardless of what is going on, um, the, the I am does not change. The I am is still there, and it, it's waiting for you to tap back into to be flexible. To be inflexible is to become overly conceptualized with what the final score in that particular game is, which leads to inflexibility. But to become flexible is to understand that regardless of the way this game ends, when I walk off this field, no matter how good or bad my performance was, if I walk off this field, the field is the same as when I walked onto it. And there's a power in that. And uh, and the athletes, particularly that I work with, really grab onto it, that the I am uh, is this this uh, this unchanging thing that really uh, is a sanctuary for us if we can tap into it. For now, the challenge. As I continue to challenge you to be an active participant in your own life, um, I will challenge you to think about the ingrained patterns you fall into and the way you react to circumstances at work, at home, or in leisure. Uh, Are you following a conceptualization? Is there a script that you're following that is leading you to react to things rather than to respond to them? Are you pulling from the thinking self rather than the observing self and responding uh, as according to your values, I should add, right? Um, Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope you subscribe. I hope you enjoy. Uh, I hope you share. Uh, remember to email us with questions and or feedback and send in pictures uh, of you listening to the podcast on your purpose-driven drives through life. <laughs> that was a mouthful, as it always is. Just be safe. Please do not endanger yourself or others if you're going to take this picture and send it in. Also, please uh, send us film requests. What classic films would you like us to discuss on, on the podcast? Uh, send any and all of that stuff to the Balancing Act podcast at gmail.com. I also want to thank Julio Araujo, who really makes this podcast possible with his magical producer abilities. He truly is the one that makes this project coherent. Believe me, he does. Uh, This is The Balancing Act. I am Danny. I am thankful. And take care.